Welcome to the Florence Guild podcast, a collection of conversations with business and cultural leaders delivering insight into future approaches to business and life. Through conversations in an array of styles, from salon talks to lifestyle events, through to intimate facilitated lunches and dinners, Florence Guild promotes encounters, satiates curiosity, and allows insight into future approaches to business and life. The following Florence Guild conversation was recorded live at Work Club Melbourne, Australia's most forward-thinking workspace. As leaders, we are rewarded for our knowledge and expertise. However, our knowledge may also limit our perspective. In new, unfamiliar and uncertain situations, what we know can restrict our ability to think differently and see problems in a fresh light. The more we harness received knowledge, the less we learn about the situation and the narrower our point of view becomes. In this episode's conversation, we've invited Dr. Tim Reiner and Diana Renner to talk about how leaders can cultivate a new relationship to uncertainty. One that is attentive, authentic, and generative. That involves letting go of control. Tim is Director of Education and Culture at the Marriott and an internationally recognized philosopher and action educator with over 10 years experience working in social entrepreneurship and leadership development. Diana is an organizational consultant, teacher, and award-winning author. She is the director and co-founder of the Uncharted Leadership Institute and the creator of Not Knowing and Not Doing Labs. The Opportunity in Uncertainty, a Florence Guild conversation with Diana Renner and Dr. Tim Reiner. Hi, everyone. Diana, how shall we begin? How shall we begin? We, we have prepared for this talk in the most appropriate way by not properly preparing. So to be, <laughs> be thoroughly uncertain about our content. Yes. We have a, a, a certain understanding of where we're going with this, but we're exploring. Well, we, we've got this uh, incredible privilege of actually uh, being experts in uncertainty. So what an amazing, um, I don't know, paradox or um, uh, you know, irony that actually we get to talk about uncertainty and not knowing and know something about those things. Um, and so I hope we can do those topics justice, but also in the way we work with you tonight, um, hopefully it will be conversational and also a bit exploratory. Mm -hmm. mm. So, uh, but before we start, I wanted to acknowledge uh, the traditional owners on the land on which we meet and to pay our respects to their elders, uh, past and present. So Tim and I were having a quick drink and admiring the furniture at the back behind the kitchen. And, um, you know, how can you not? And um, we had a quick chat and uh, we were saying how, what a privilege it is, what a privilege it is to be talking about uncertainty. What a privilege it is to be sitting here and to be saying, well, how could we uh, be better at embracing uncertainty as a source of possibility? Uh, while there are so many people in the world who actually face incredible uncertainty in their daily lives. Uh, there are, you know, refugees and asylum seekers as we speak in detention centres out there um, in the world looking for a safer place where they can um, live their lives and uh, help their families live a safer life. So it just feels like it is a privilege and we wanted to, I guess, honour that and acknowledge that. 
Um, my own experience uh, is actually similar. I came to Australia as a political refugee from Romania in uh, the 1980s. So when I, when I was 18, uh, sorry, when I was 16 years old, uh, my parents overnight uh, packed us in the back of the car, my brother and I. Uh, my brother was two years younger. And in the middle of the night, we basically, literally drove into the unknown. Uh, we uh, had a few bags in the boot of the car and there was really no map, literally no map to show us the way. Uh, we crossed the border into Austria, into Hungary first and then into Austria and overnight we found ourselves with nothing. And that experience was formative for me um, in um, really exploring and trying to understand how do we, how do we make the most of the unknown. So I spent, um, with my family, we spent the next 13 months in limbo in Austria, waiting for the Australian government to resettle us in Australia. Um, so that, that led me to later on, fast forward to a few years ago, to about six years ago, when I met Stephen D'Souza, the co-author of the, my first book, Not Knowing, our first book, Not Knowing. And that led us to explore um, this space of uncertainty and also research what are some ways, some better ways for us to embrace uncertainty as a place of opportunity and possibility? Um, and what are the ways in which we maybe hold ourselves back from learning at the edge? So that's a little bit about my story. And now I work with leaders and I work with people from all walks of life. When I say leaders, I mean anyone who exercises leadership in organizations, in communities, in families. Um, and who are challenged with really complex, uncertain um, issues, that, and they, they grapple with these, these things that keep them up at night, and, um, and it's helping them uh, re-establish or renegotiate their relationship with the unknown. What about you? Well, um, my, my career has been rife with uncertainty. It's almost been like a, a training in uncertainty. Um, uh, I'm currently uh, heading up culture and education in a startup uh, in far north Bondi, aka Byron Bay. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, really, as I was saying to Deanna before, the, the conditions of work in this environment are, um, it's just um, every day you're just making things up. You're, you're making up how a company is going to work and you're making very important, impactful decisions about the, the, the structure and organization of that company without any map, um, or in my case, a lot of experience. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a challenging environment, but I feel that uh, where my journey, my, my, my journey of exploration into the world of uncertainty began, uh, well, I guess it began about 10 or 15 years ago when I was working as an academic philosopher. Um, I was teaching European philosophy at um, the University of New South Wales, um, and I, I wound that up about 2008 and moved into entrepreneurship. And the first thing I noticed um, was that in this new world, which was super exciting and, and uh, really inspired me and, and spoke to my passions, I was meeting lots of leaders who were basically um, pretending uh, that they had a certainty that they, they lacked. Uh, which I thought was very interesting. I mean, philosophy really gives you a nose for, uh, for BS. Um, <laughs> and I could smell it. Um, 
And I, it, it became a very pungent, strong smell when I started doing uh, corporate um, uh, consulting work, uh, moving into that innovation space. And I discovered in some companies, it's, 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 it's almost an impossibility for, um, for managers and leaders to actually admit how uncertain and um, uh, unsure they are about what they're doing. Uh, instead, there's an obligation for leaders to actually say, you know, if there's one thing that I'm certain about, it's this, even if they're not. Um, and I thought that was remarkable and, and, and very interesting, particularly given that we live in times of technological change and economic uncertainty, political uncertainty, ecological um, uh, catastrophe. Um, uh, you would think that our current generation of leaders would be stepping up to that challenge by saying, whoa, you know, new problems, how are we going to deal with them? We don't know. We're going to have to do some exploring. But instead, I still find many leaders are kind of retreating into uh, a defensive uh, position um, and insisting on uh, an expert knowledge, insisting on the idea that an, their expert knowledge will see them through these new challenges, which I, I, I'm just not confident that that's, that's the case. Well, it would be interesting to explore why is that the case? Why do we, I mean, I would imagine that many of us in this room have felt the pressure to know. How, how, I mean, how many, of you, how many of you have felt the pressure to know in your work, in your roles? Yeah. Right. So, so what is it? What is it that holds us back uh, I mean, you know, you talked about the pungent smell in... <laughs> I'm curious, why is the smell stronger on that side of the, the world or the, yeah. the world of work? Look, I, I, I think that it has a lot to do with uh, the, the culture of expertise and the way that we conceive of leaders in our culture. Um, uh, you know, when I think about the, the kind of mindset that we see in um, leaders today, I, I'm always drawn back to reflect on the work of the 17th century French philosopher René Descartes. Have you guys heard of Descartes? Mm -hmm. He was the guy who came up with the line, I think, therefore I am. But he was actually tremendously important in the philosophical tradition because uh, he came around in the early days of uh, the scientific tradition. Um, and he was the first person who realized that if, if, if the natural sciences were going to get off the ground, then scientists had to be very certain about some fundamental propositions. So, so Descartes actually sat down, he was in the middle of the Thirty Years' War, and he asked himself, what, what, out of all the things I know, what can I be absolutely certain about? And he called everything into question, and finally decided that the only thing he could be certain of was that he was doubting, therefore he was thinking, and he said, well, if I think, I must exist. Um, and that was his fundamental principle, which sounds, it sounds a bit abstract and crazy, but it gave birth to like 300 years of philosophy. Um, and it also created um, an attitude or mindset, I believe, that we still find today amongst leaders. Um, so I, th I think that to Descartes was the first guy to say, if there's one thing that I'm certain of, it's this one thing, right? And we constantly hear this today amongst our leaders. Uh, to be a leader, you have to be an expert in some field. You have to be the person who can stand up and say, if there's one thing I know, it's this. If you can't say that, then people go, well, why would I follow this person? You know, we, we, we're, we're, we're all wandering around wondering what day it is. Um, and so we look for those characters who are going to stand up and say, I'm certain of this. You know, I'm certain that if you, if you slash taxes, then you'll increase spending. Um, 
I'm certain that no one's going to buy a, a rental room in someone else's house, um, so on and so forth. Now, that's how we understand the culture of leadership today. But I think that's really problematic. Yeah, I also wonder whether neuroscience can give us a bit of an insight into why we actually seek the answer. You know, Marquez was saying, how do we lead with a question? And that's great in principle, but often we default to answers. And not only the pressure comes from our environment and, and there is some historical, philosophical um, roots to that, yeah. as well as actually, if you think about, we're hardwired to know. So the amygdala, uh, fires up uh, whenever we find ourselves faced with great uncertainty and it, there is a defense mechanism that kicks in. The fight or, f the fight, fight or flight, flight or response, right, yeah. yeah. So there are these, these biological innate responses that we have to uncertainty. We, we need to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. And that holds us back from venturing into the unknown, yeah. exploring the unknown. Yeah. Because the assumption is we're going to die or we need to keep ourselves safe. Yeah, yeah. So how do we get around that? I mean, what are some ways that, what are some techniques that you guys use to cope with the, the anxiety produced in uncertain situations? Does anyone have any, 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 any approaches that they apply? So I just thought about this while you were speaking, and I think it's fascinating because if I analyze myself, I would say very much like Mahes, I'm a control freak and I hate uncertainty. Yet if I observe my entire life, I've always chosen routes that are, um, well, they're, they're, they're overwhelmed with uncertainty. I've never done anything that is certain. Uh -huh. Started a startup, started another startup, nothing about that is certain. So I'm trying to figure out what, how do I deal with uncertainty? I, I don't see it as uncertain, I suppose. That's my strategy. I don't think it is uncertain. Deny the, the uncertainty. 100%. I am going to be successful. Yes. There is no uncertainty. I mean, this That's is, my strategy. This is kind of, this is kind of the... And then I drown myself in sorrow. Yeah, I don't know. But um, I think it's fascinating. I, I genuinely don't see it as uncertain. Yeah. What do you see it as? What would you, what, how would you label it? If you had to label it, what would you label it as? I don't think I've ever thought about it. Ah, this. okay. I don't think I, I just do. I, I don't think I've ever thought about it. Okay. Right. Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's not just a, an issue that affects business people or startup entrepreneurs because um, the condition of life is uncertainty. Yeah. You know, we, 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 everything is uncertain in life. Um, basically, anything outside of a, a formal, logical, or mathematical system is just up for grabs. You know, anything can happen. Um, well, the only certain thing is this moment right now. I mean, it, this illusion that we can control the future. Right. And I think that's important, right? Yeah. That's important because I think this is, this is part of the art of coping with uncertainty. Learning how to bring yourself back to what is, mm. um, the reality of, of where you are, and, and, and build from there. Mm. Um, I, I think that the problem that the, problem that the fight or flight response creates is that it leads us to leap ahead um, into an action that may not be well considered. Um, uh, so, I mean, I think, I think that there are a lot of sophisticated approaches that are applied in the world of startup entrepreneurship these days that 
enable people to just you know, kind of feel around the space and, and learn a bit about what they're doing. Your, your lean startup, your design thinking, all those kinds of approaches. Um, but they're not well applied in my, in my experience. Um, I, I, I'm still meeting lots of entrepreneurial leaders who are just charged with their own sense of self-certainty and they're just diving into it and spending a lot of time and often a lot of money um, on projects that um, perhaps haven't really been uh, explored thoroughly. I had a question here, was, a beginning a question. There's something interesting around transference, right? I mean, sort of you're talk, you were talking about how, you know, I, I just don't think about it as, as uncertain. I just keep going. And mm. I remember years ago a conversation where a, someone was asking a friend a, a question about whether they should go and work for themselves or whether they should take this job. And they, say, and they said, you know, the, the job is far more certain because I'm going to have this predictable income every week and it'll be far more certain. And my friend sort of pointed out that it was actually the less certain option because they had no control over it. It was actually completely outside of their control whether they maintained, like that job was at the whim of somebody else's discretion. That's yes. a really good point. Right. Yeah. Whereas their own... Mm. Whereas, yeah, whereas their own um, if they'd gone their own path, they had more control over it because it was at their discretion and they, you know. And, so this and even if I fail, I fail on my own yeah, terms. Yeah, I fail on yeah. my own terms, right? I'm not at the whim of somebody else. And so there's this really interesting sort of, if you like, flip that's happened where some, where things that are actually fundamentally uncertain have become presented and understood as being certain. Mm. Which kind of screws it's everything up for everyone. in that instance, in that for me, the... I mitigate the risk of living and working and whatever. But I feel much more certain in having eight clients that I mm. have relationships with as opposed to one that could yes. dump me and, you know, exactly. in a month and yeah. whatever. So for me, it's deeply subjective that tomorrow everything is uncertain in a way, but there's less risk or, you know, you mitigate that um, to different degrees. Yeah, and, and I think you've touched on one way that, one good strategy for mitigating risk in uncertain situations, which is to prepare lots of possible <laughs> options. We were discussing this earlier on, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, a, a lot of it is personal, a lot of it is um, intuitive, and so sometimes we have to um, really think clearly about what does this even mean? So if we think about being more deliberate, so this part, part of this conversation is around how can we be more deliberate than that you were saying disciplined around our relationship with uncertainty? Um, and what does that discipline or deliberate relationship with uncertainty look like? What are some of the capabilities that we can cultivate in ourselves and in the people we work with so that we can be uh, self-aware, and um, eyes wide open, really, around how do we step into that space? Yeah. Is it dangerous? Is it risky? Are we uh, defaulting to control? Mm. Are we holding back? Um, what is it that is happening right now? Yeah. So um, the one, one way I like to think about this is um, in the context of what I call these negative capabilities. Negative capabilities came from a concept that John Keats, actually, the poet John Keats, he wrote a letter to his brothers um, and he wrote about a quality that he admired in Shakespeare. And he said that uh, he thought Shakespeare had this ability to dwell in mysteries and doubts without irritable reaching after fact or reason. 
without the irritable reaching after fact or reason. And that's what made him such an amazing uh, playwright, poet, artist. And I wonder, you know, how, how, do we, how do we cultivate that ability to dwell in mysteries and doubts? Yeah. Even when the pressure is right there on us to know the answer, to jump in, to jump into the action, do something, anything to alleviate the discomfort. It takes work, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, I, I think there is there's, um, a, a kind of an emotional work or emotional labor that we need to uh, bring to bear to our circumstances when dealing with uncertainty. Um, part of it is resilience. Part of it is courage. Um, good communication helps as well. I mean, the best way to deal with uncertainty is to find good people can help you out in those situations. Um, and uh, learning to be a good communicator is, is fundamental. Um, taking a philosophical perspective again, I, I think that it's, it's really important that we learn how to um, reflect on and uh, check the kinds of judgments that we're making uh, when we're encountering uncertainty. Uh, because when we're in, in the thick of a difficult situation and that fight or flight response um, kicks in, um, we, we, we really stop thinking um, and we just make a, a very kind of fast judgment call about how we can get out of this situation. When what we need to be doing is just yeah. stepping back and saying, well, what's going on in my head, mm. you know? Um, there's a wonderful book by uh, the neuroscientist um, Lisa Feldman Barrett is her name. It's called, a book's called How the Brain Works. And she points out that um, emotions are not simply our responses to the world. Emotions are the way that we, what we respond to the way that our body is responding to the world. And, and that first response is a cognitive one. Um, so if you learn how to reflect on what is going on in your fluttering heart, your irritable <laughs> nature or whatever, you can actually get distance on that. And you can say, well, hey, you know, maybe the situation is not as dire as I think. Maybe I can just settle, take in the surroundings, zoom out, mm. and, and get my bearings, figure out how to, mm. how to move in a, in a constructive way. I, I wonder whether it's also... Uh, were you going to say something? Yeah, that's okay. I was going to ask a question. Okay. Let me, um, I just want to just add one thing around the... the again, it's, I think it's uh, the way we, we, our brains work is we take shortcuts. And so we, we used to taking shortcuts. We can't, can't take in all the information. So zooming in is part of our survival, right? Yeah. So you're talking about zooming out, but how, how it, it's a survival to focus on what is necessary and um, not really focus on everything that is to be taken in. Otherwise, we would go crazy. Mm. Um, but that's how that's why we drive on automatic pilot when you know we're on a familiar route. But what happens is I think those shortcuts get in the way of us seeing things with fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Dave, David White, who's um, many of you may know, the poet David White, he says, if you think you know where you are, you stop looking. And so if we stop seeing things with fresh eyes, if we don't have the ability to see things with fresh eyes, then we actually stop looking. We miss out on so much information that is available to us, even if the most familiar situations. Or we mistake uh, an unfamiliar situation, something new, um, we mistake it for something known. So we label it as something known or familiar and then we discount it. And in that process, we can actually miss out on really valuable information. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, 
Perhaps this question was answered in the framing of the beginning, so I'm oh, sorry okay. that I'm late and I missed the opening. But I'm curious around what is the objective? Like, what is our objective when faced with uncertainty? So the kind of the advice and the framing and some of the tips and stuff you're speaking to, yeah. to what um, end? Oh, we see, yeah. Why, why, why did you come here tonight? What was it about the topic that intrigued you? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, like, I, I guess I'm curious around, uh, like, how do you, how do you navigate without knowing? So, uh, and if that's like a way of being in the uncertain and being, um, being more being more okay with less mm. knowledge and mm -hmm. less certainty yes. um, but then I have to ask myself to what end is it so that I can more quickly get to a place where there is more certainty mm. or is it that I have a more pleasurable experience when I'm in that environment mm. so uh, I don't know what is the benefit what is the mm. what is what is there to be gained yeah. Can I can I have a yeah shot go of for it then I'll have a go after after you what, <laughs> what is your objective what well, are you selling Tim once again once again I I have to take a philosophical angle and um, I would ask you to think back across the centuries across the millennia to ancient Greece uh, in the fourth century BC uh, Athens where Socrates was wandering about the marketplace um, and he was on a mission because. The oracle at Delphi had claimed that Socrates was the wisest man in the world. And he thought that that was rubbish. He didn't, couldn't make any sense of that whatsoever. And he said, I'm going to prove the oracle wrong by walking around Athens, and I'm going to find someone who knows more than I do. So he went and he spoke to politicians, and he spoke to poets, and he spoke to artisans, and went on and on and on. But what he found in every situation was that all these people knew a little bit about something. But most of them seem to assume that that little bit about something kind of made them experts about everything. Um, once they had achieved this level of expertise, they just they they kind of became you know big noters and 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 just were happy to speak about any old topic. And Socrates, Socrates walked away from this experience and said, "Well, okay, maybe the oracle was onto something because even though I only know this tiny little thing." I know that I only know this tiny little thing, whereas all these other people seem to be walking around in a state of delusion, you know, blind to the fact that their knowledge is actually really limited. And I think that's really interesting because when you, when you pair yourself back to that, the truth of your own radical limitedness, you're confronted by mystery. And mystery is an, is an enticement and an invitation to learning. Um, and this is what Socrates was all about. You know, really, he was out there on the street so he could learn from people and learn about the world. That was the birth of philosophy and, and science as well. I think that when we create an attitude and mindset and culture of expertise, um, we do shut ourselves off from the profound mystery of life and the opportunity that lies therein for us to actually seek anew, learn to see the world with new eyes, um, and, and embark upon a, a, a journey of discovery and learning that can take us all kinds of fascinating places. I think, for me, that's why it's important to take up this, this new stance to uncertainty. It's, 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 it's 
uncertainty is kind of like the doorway to discovery, if you see it in the right way. And you've just got to find a way of making that shift in perspective to, to get through the door. Uh, and maybe there's no need to convince you because you're already convinced of the benefit of uncertainty. Um, in, in the world of work that I operate and with business leaders and in, in, you know, in, in, the, in, in, in places where knowledge is put on a pedestal, um, what I see is uh, organizations actually can't make progress on the most complex challenges because they're limited by the very thing they know. And the way they tackle those challenges comes from a knowing attitude rather than from a curious learning attitude. Yeah. And so it's actually we get stuck um, because we make assumptions about what we're actually dealing with and we, apply, we actually apply it from a very technical perspective. But if you already, um, if your relationship with the unknown and uncertainty is not full of dread, like many of the people I work with, and if it's full of wonder and curiosity, then you, you're here. I mean, you, you know, this is, this is where learning happens. And so, you know. It's very important to innovation. Um, uh, take the design, design thinking approach to developing customer-focused innovation, for example. The first thing that your design thinker does is put herself or himself in the world of the customer and apply a beginner's mindset. They just try not to bring any of their preconceived judgments and knowledge to the situation. And they just observe with, with, with fresh eyes. Um, from that point, they start brainstorming new ideas, but they don't limit themselves to ideas that they've seen happen before or they think might work, they go crazy with, like, with all kinds of crazy ideas and then they start focusing in on things that could work. And I think this is, I mean, that, that kind of initial step of going into the customer's world and really just seeing them as a mystery that needs to be discovered, it's very hard to do. I was talking to a student in my class the other day. He's, he's, um, he's, he's a consultant. He's probably about 60 and has spent his whole life working with different clients and he, he's just discovered design thinking and he said to me, I thought that I was customer centric. I thought that I've been customer centric my whole life, but I've just realized that I've never been customer centric because I've never taken that radically, you know, radical approach of engaging the customer with fresh eyes as a mystery to be relearned and discovered. Uh, good coaches do that. Uh, good, um, you know, artists, scientists, they, they thrive on exploring the unknown. I'm looking at you as if, you know, I'm trying to convince you of something. But it is really around the question that you've asked. I wonder whether we could play with the idea of beginner's mind. Beginner's mind is a, is a concept that comes from Zen Buddhism. And um, there's a lot to learn from Buddhism, I think, in terms of the unknown. But this particular, this particular concept is really useful. It is one of those negative capabilities because it involves the absence of something rather than the pouring in of knowledge or mm -hmm. you know it's actually taking away something rather than um, adding knowledge and expertise so we'd like to uh, maybe have a little play with you invite you into a little e exercise that you could do with each other to experience what we mean by beginner's mind mm -hmm. um, and then um, rather than talking about it let's experience it would you be okay in playing along yes yeah it's a little bit Oh, edgy. don't, 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 <laughs> don't you, are you, you, you're pushing them to the edge now. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, would like to invite you to find yourself with a partner. So we need the partners in this exercise. Um, so we need, um, 
obviously pairs, pairs. So um, if you find yourself with a pair, if you're sitting with a group of three, maybe find yourself someone else or um, is, it, is it okay? Two and two, two. Is it okay if you find yourself with a partner? Yeah? Has everyone got someone? There you go. Okay. There you go. You're meeting for the first time, some of you. That's wonderful. So, as Tim said, this this exercise may be a little bit uncomfortable, but uh, it's it's not it's not that's not its purpose. Its purpose is to give you an experience, to give you an experience. And the reason it's uncomfortable because it will ask you to. Well, I'm going to ask you. Um, I'm asking you to face your partner. Now you don't need to look into their eyes if you're not comfortable. Uh, I'm saying that again, you do not need to look into people's eyes. Uh -huh. You can just be in their presence. You know who you're sitting with, okay? But I'd like you to face each other, at least partly, if not fully, because you know who you're sitting with, right? Okay, so you know who you're sitting with. You may, you may not know them. You may only know their name. You may, not even, you may not have met them ever before, and you have no idea who they are. It doesn't matter. All you need to do now is, as you being in their presence and spending a little bit of a moment here with them, facing them, I'd like you to bring to mind any potential possible preconceived ideas, judgments or assumptions that you're making about the person that you're sitting with. <laughs> Why not? Go for it. I mean, we're very good as human beings. We're very good at, um, you know, creating very quick stories in our minds about people we meet, right? We do this very naturally. And, you know, um, don't bring it up. Don't talk about it. Don't share it. This is not a sharing. I'm not going to ask you to share. You know, you're not, you're not allowed to share. So this is... Hold this on is, to those judgments. This is, this is just in your mind. This is in your mind. Just, just become aware. This is an awareness exercise. Bring to mind any, any preconceived ideas, judgments, anything you've... You know, could be good or bad. I'm not... Don't need to um, judge them as um, bad or good. What are you thinking about the person in front of you? What are the stories you're holding? What comes up as you're facing them? Okay? Is everyone able to do that? Okay. Okay, so now my invitation is to let go. Let go of anything you think you know about the person in front of you. Let go of your ideas, judgments, assumptions. Completely let go. The person in front of you is an utter mystery to you. The person in front of you is an utter mystery to you. They have a birth. They have a life. They have a history. They have their ups and downs, their triumphs, their challenges. The person in front of you is an utter mystery to you. They have dreams and aspirations. The person in front of you is an utter mystery to you. Okay. Have a quick chat with your partner now. Just a quick chat. <laughs> and who are you? Anyway? What was that like? Don't share, don't need to share anything. What was that like? What's that like? And then we'll Interesting open it up. Interesting conversation with a friend the other week. He was talking about, he's done a lot of traveling, uh, likes traveling in out-of-the-way places. Um, and he says that always, 
amuses and kind of irks him when he sees these tourists who, who come to countries where there aren't systems and you know, laws and rules and, and it's all chaos. And, and they're walking around going, it shouldn't be like this, you know? This person's driving me crazy. Where's, you know, where's, where's, the, where's, the, where's the authority that I speak to in the situation? They're constantly frustrated by the uncertainty and the lack of rules and structure there. And so they don't enjoy themselves. Whereas he just loves that situation. It's, it's uh, everything's new, everything's a surprise, everything's a, an encounter to be negotiated in a, in a sort of a proactive, creative way. And I think if we can cultivate that kind of attitude and mindset uh, in uncertain environments, then life is better and we become so much better at producing creative solutions to difficult problems. So you're talking more about um, rather than being a problem solver and seeking the outcome to something, it's more about being an explorer. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's a different mindset, being an explorer. So you're asking, what do you get at, on the other side? Yeah. Learning, yeah. I think. Um, it's a byproduct of the process of engaging with uncertainty. It's not a product. It's not certainty because the more you know, the less you know. So it's that whole thing. If your knowledge expands, the, the contact with the unknown expands as well. If you think of a balloon, the bigger it becomes, say, so that's your knowledge. If you think about the outside of the balloon, that's the contact with the unknown. So it's paradoxical in a way that the more we know, the less we know, which is back to Socrates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so come full circle. Uh, and, and are we at the end? Are we, um, what's the protocol? <laughs> if I may as well, I would, I would like to recommend um, a great book that Deanna has co-authored on this topic called Not Knowing, uh, which is a, it's a beautiful, um, insightful, poetic book, which is it's really like a handbook for dealing with uncertainty. So I'd recommend you check that out. Explore the Florence Guild podcast with the best talent from Australia and across the world. You can subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes. For more information on Florence Guild, visit florenceguild.com.